Hello, I'm Sarah Archer and you're listening to episode 64 of the Speaking Club podcast. It's the first week of January and the time of year where 90% of the population will curse you for turning up to visit with a box of chocolates that they'll quite happily receive again in five days' time. Welcome to the Speaking Club podcast, because making them laugh is the secret sauce to your speaking, pitching, and business success. And now your host, Sarah Archer. Hi there, and welcome to the show. Happy New Year. I hope you had a wonderful holiday season and you're feeling excited about what possibilities this new year is going to bring your way, rather than depressed that you've got ages to wait until your next vacation. But however you're feeling now, I hope that by the end of the show, you'll be looking forward to trying out some of the tips that I'm going to be sharing with you for upping your public speaking impact in 2019. Now, if you're a regular listener, thank you so much for giving me your time and attention. And if this is the first time you've tuned in, welcome. There's loads of great stuff in the previous shows, so make sure you check them out. And if you like them, whether you're a regular listener or a new listener, it would be smashing if you could leave the show an honest rating and review on iTunes or wherever else you're listening. And of course, you can go old school and share it with other people too. Okay, let's crack on. Now, I wanted to do an episode that would give your public speaking a kickstart for the new year. And so I asked myself, if I just had 15 minutes with someone what would I share with them as the most important things that they could do to become a better public speaker? And these are the result. They are an eclectic mix and they cover all aspects of speaking from mindset to performance. Some of them are dead simple, but in working with clients, I've seen some of these small, seemingly insignificant changes have a massive impact. And often, We experienced speakers also forget some of the basics. Okay, so this is an essentially an overview episode to give you a heads up on each one of the 10 tips. And where I've done previous episodes that go into more detail on them, I've added the link to that podcast in the show notes. So go and check those out. Right, let's crack on. Tip number one. This first tip won't just help with your public speaking, but with all areas of your life that you want to improve. And it is, do not aim for an A in what you're doing, aim for B minus. I heard this from a guest on Amy Porterfield's podcast, and it's something that I'd heard before in other words, but for some reason it resonated with me in that form. Going for B- enables us to let go of the desire for perfection, which I believe is actually a tactic our minds employ to protect us from the perceived threat of failure, when it's actually only through failure that we grow. The pursuit of perfection leads to procrastination. Well, it does it for me anyway, I don't know about you. And sometimes I I find it almost painful to start something that I know in my heart is going to move me forward. So I've been working hard to live by this mantra of imperfect action because I've learned the hard way in the past that it's the speed of implementation that counts. The person that takes imperfect action will always be further ahead than the expert 
that sits back and waits until everything is perfect. And it never, ever gets that way. Just last week, actually, the night of the 26th of December, I woke with an idea at 3am. I couldn't go back to sleep because I was so excited about it. And I began sort of mapping it out in my head and put some notes in my phone, which I'm trying to leave away from my bedside because I do wake up often in the night. And once I touch my phone, that is it. Anyway, now... I previously would quite possibly have started second-guessing myself and put up obstacles to bring this idea to fruition and move it forward. And especially, I don't know about you, sometimes when I have ideas in the night, they can be great, but in the cold light of morning, uh, I get nervous. But this time, I was determined to follow through on the idea, even though it meant compromising on perfection, because it was Christmas holidays, didn't have uh, time or um, you know resources to make this perfect. So I spoke to my business partner who loved the concept and on the 27th of December we sourced a venue, we got an actor lined up and filmed a marketing themed parody of the film Love Actually to promote a special offer we're doing over on StoryLab Marketing. So we put the video up first thing the next day, so that was the 28th And the engagement on social media has been fantastic. Now, I'm sure like we could have done it better. It could have been more perfect. But I am actually chuffed to bits with how it turned out and the fact that we did it. And the feedback that we've had has been amazing. And none of that would have happened if I wasn't embracing imperfect action. And I'll put a link to the video in the show notes just in case you want to check it out. Maybe have a little smile. So... Bringing this one back to your public speaking, I'm not saying don't do a great job. I am not saying don't plan and prepare. But what I am saying is that let good be good enough. Get a first draft of your talk done and then do it. Then tweak it and make it better for the next time. Do the live video and if there's room for improvement, make changes for next time. If you want to do your first presentation, Get yourself booked into a networking event or volunteer at work. The thing is to commit and take action. And I promise you, things will start to happen if you take action. And if nothing else, the more speaking you do, the more chance you get to practice, the better you will get. I promise. Okay, tip number two. Now, this is a small tweak that I've shared with clients that's often had a profound effect on their speaking confidence. And it's all about your hands. Again, some coaches might not agree with me here, but in my experience, this works. So I've seen many, many people look and feel uncomfortable because they don't know where to put their hands when they're speaking. This is my tip. Have a home position for your hands. And what I recommend is you bring them together in front of you, just around waist height. It's absolutely fine to move them and to gesture intentionally, move intentionally. But when you're done, just bring one or both hands back to this resting place. And I know it sounds stupidly simple, but time and again, I've seen this tiny tweak work wonders for people who look too stiff with their hands down by their sides or too casual with their hands in their pockets. And it's made them look and feel relaxed and professional. So there you go. Number two, have a home place for your hands. Tip number three. Now, my third tip 
is don't make yourself the hero of your talk. And there are a few different aspects to this. Firstly, this is about recognising and remembering that it's not all about you. It's about your message. You need to see your success in public speaking in terms of whether your message lands with the audience, not whether they like you or not. Understanding this point has helped many people I've worked with become more focused and confident in their speaking. And it's a good one always to keep in mind. Secondly, it's about understanding that whilst it's good to be passionate about your subject, it's not good to be so passionate about it that you're not able to understand and empathise with a different viewpoint. In episode 52, Simon Fanshaw made this point and it stuck with me. And I know it became a hotly discussed topic in some sort of quarters on Facebook after the podcast. So if you cannot be where your audience is starting from, then how can you hope to know what to say and do to move them across to where you are? Now, thirdly on this one, you need to be aware that whilst you may have achievements and stories where you are the hero, the purpose of sharing those is only to inspire, educate or motivate your audience. And that is who you need to treat as the hero of your presentation. You are Yoda to Luke, the Dumbledore to Harry, the Mr Miyagi to Daniel. That's your role when you're speaking. The aim of your stories is only to take your audience on a journey, to show them your world and what's possible for them if they make a change, but only whilst consistently relating it back to their situation. They, the stories that you tell, the achievements you talk about, they're not to show how fantastic you are. And if you forget that, if you make it all about you, then people will switch off. Okay, and you can find out more about the hero's journey and how it relates to your presentations in episode 7, 9 and 34 uh, of this podcast. And I'll put links in the show notes as I mentioned. Okay, lastly, on this one, tip number three. In remembering that you aren't the hero and that your audience is, you need to give them some actionable content to take away, even if it's only to think about things differently. Your job is to give value to them and this is a great way to make sure you do. And there are also some tips on how you can give value in a talk without giving the whole bath and baby away as well in episode 62. Excellent. Tip number four. In today's world, as you probably know, the most important commodity is people's attention and getting it and keeping it. And to do that, you need to make sure that everything you do is sexy. The name of the presentation needs to be sexy. And by sexy, I mean that it needs to provide the curiosity factor that makes people want to listen. And there's also more on how to create curiosity in episode 62. The memorable stories you tell in your presentation to convince people to care and to believe also need to be sexy. And if you're using slides, guess what? They need to be sexy too. 
Let's have a look at a little example of a non-sexy version of someone doing a presentation on well-being at work. So the, the hook of this is well-being at work. Their headline is how to manage stress at work. The story, well, they give statistics and examples of how many people are affected by stress in the workplace and the five things you should do to become more resilient. It's a bit boring. But here is a more sexy version. The hook is building resilience. The headline, 10 tactics to develop Teflon toughness and stay chilled, whatever work throws at you. The story, well, the content is about stories of people who did extreme challenges and how they stayed mentally tough and not only survived, but thrived. That is a bit more sexy, I think. You might disagree, but that's what, that's what I think. And it's, uh, it's me who's saying it. So <laughs> let's stick with it. Now, I want you to think about what your hero audience wants. What do they desire? What will get them excited? What's going to be fun for them to hear about? What picture, you know, what slide are you going to show that's going to be interesting enough to make your message stick? So make it sexy. Tip number five. I'm biased, but as a speaker, I do believe that you should make everything a drama. There needs to be stories, excitement, conflict, entertainment, performance, and a clear beginning, middle and end. And just as actors, comedians and other performers use their voices and bodies to bring a text to life, I believe and I coach that as a speaker, you should also use tone, pitch, pace, volume, facial expression and other intentional movement to bring your presentation to life for your audience. Now, maybe this isn't something that you're able to do from day one, but it's something that you should be working towards. When I see people in the pub or a cafe telling a story to their friends, they use all these performance tools naturally to bring to life what happened. But as soon as you call the sharing of a story a presentation, suddenly all those natural skills and their personality can disappear. So I want you to think about treating the audience as your friends. And not only will your public speaking be more engaging and entertaining, it will also actually be more authentic. So whilst it's not about you, showing your personality will help the audience connect and relate to you so that their barriers come down and they're more willing to hear and accept the message you're sharing. Okay, tip number six. If your job as a speaker is to get your message to land then it stands to reason that it needs to be easy for your audience to understand. That rhymes. That was unintentional. (laughs) Well, we'll stay. We might use that again. Um, So even if your message is about something technical or complicated, you've got to make it easy to understand. So my sixth tip is to use bridges to make your message relatable. And by bridges, I mean stories, metaphors and comparisons or analogies, as you might have heard them called. As I've mentioned, people's attention is the hardest thing to get and keep. And processing information takes our energy and time. And if something either sounds like or looks like it's going to take a lot of brain power for us to process, 
then we actually just switch off literally because in our subconscious we know we have a finite pool of energy and time to use each day and we won't waste it on something that looks like it's going to be too difficult for the return. So you have to make it super simple and easy for people to get your message. The bottom line is, and the key thing I want you to remember from this tip is, if you confuse, you will lose your audience. Okay, if you confuse, you lose. Okay, so let's talk about my favorite subject first, stories. If you can illustrate through a story how your message relates to your audience, then it will be 100% more powerful than otherwise. And religious texts teach big lessons through parables. And the best speakers do this too. Now, metaphors are also amazing for making content relatable and for positioning your content. If you can put a picture in someone's head through a metaphor, it will be so much more likely to stick. Um, I think I might have mentioned this on a previous uh, episode. When I was working in corporate, uh, one time I was talking about a new IT system we were bringing in. And on my slides and in my language, I used a knackered old Trabant car to symbolise the existing system and a Ferrari to represent the new one. And although I wasn't disparaging, the images in my, in my language conveyed the need for change in a powerful and memorable way that people could easily hook into. Okay, now last point on this is there is a special tool I use and teach that I got from a marketing guru, an all-round nice guy called Russell Brunson. And it's basically, I mean, it's basically an an analogy, but he calls it the kinder-like bridge. And you use it when you have something technical or complex to get across. Let me give you an example. There's a thing called the cosmic calendar. And it's kind of like a normal calendar, except the Big Bang happened on the 1st of January. And today on this cosmic calendar is the 31st of December. So it's something that really makes something every day relatable to the technical or complex idea that you are trying to get across. It might take a little bit of work to find it, but, uh, you know, I was working, here's another example, I was working with a, a nutritionist and we were talking about the vegan processed foods and we were trying to find an analogy, kind of like, for her to be able to explain the difference uh, between you know sort of natural foods and the processed foods and the, there was something in it that was a specific thing I can't remember now but we came up with um, diamonds as as the natural uh, and then cubic zircona uh, for the processed stuff and that is a really easy way for people to grasp that the natural thing which natural diamond the cubic zirconia the man-made uh, processed alternative um, that you know is cheaper isn't as good etc etc so if you can find things like that to hook into it will really help your audience grasp what you're trying to get across so remember your content needs to be 
written like you talk, super simple to understand, and you need to find relatable stories, metaphors and analogies to make your audience able to stay with you and keep engaged. And there's more detail about making your message relatable uh, through using something called also universal themes and metaphors in episode 37 and more insight about making technical concepts engaging in episode 11. Okay, tip number seven. I always say that stories are the most powerful communication tool, but if you can also sprinkle in some humour, then they become magical. Humour helps you break down barriers and connect with your audience. It breaks tension and it makes you more memorable as a speaker and your message more memorable too. It makes it more sticky. Now, I've done quite a few episodes on how to use humour in your presentations. And I've also had many interview uh, guests on who swear that using humour has made them more bookable as a speaker. In fact, uh, Brian Tracy, who you may have heard of, says that you only need to use humour in your talks if you want to get paid as a speaker. So my seventh tip is to have a go at using humour appropriately, important word, appropriately within your talk. And the key things to remember about using humour are that it needs to blend in with your talk. Um, you can use it to th- things like breaking the ice, to highlight a point, to transition to another point, to make a statistic memorable. But please, please don't just shoehorn in some random joke that you heard at the bar the previous evening. You know, humour's powerful. It's almost like that Spider-Man thing. If, you know, uh, great power comes with great responsibility and humour is the same. Use it sparingly, in context and with emotional intelligence. So, those episodes I mentioned. To find out more about how to use humour in your public speaking, check out episodes 19 for Humour 101 and 28 for how to use humour in your speaking without forcing the gag. Cool. On to tip number eight, which is, unless it is absolutely unavoidable, never, and I mean never, Try and wing a presentation. Even if it's minimal, you and your audience deserve some preparation for any presentation. Reading bullet points off a slide doesn't count as public speaking. It's more like public torture for any poor sod who has to sit through it. And it's definitely not going to win you any sales or career advancement. Even if you only have 10 minutes to prepare... You can put together a strategy and bullet point outline of a talk that will get your message across and keep you on track. To be a great speaker, though, you need to take the time to craft your talk so it's poignant, compelling and engaging whilst still going for B minus. You know, I don't don't go for perfect still, but do some prep. Now, you also, if you want to be a great speaker, You'll also spend some time rehearsing your talk so that by the time you're going to do it, you'll feel confident and comfortable performing it. And it also sounds natural too. Okay, tip number nine is to record everything. Whether I'm coaching speakers or comedians, I will always record or get them to record the session so that they can see what's working 
and what needs to improve and so we can measure progress. So as a gigging comic, I would record every set I did and then I'd analyse it to see what was getting laughs and how big those laughs were. And if I could video the gig, even better, because that would tell me what expressions and gestures I were doing that were also working. And when I speak, I do the same because it helps me to understand what's landing powerfully and which are the weaker points that I need to improve for next time round. Filming also helps to highlight any nervous tics you may have um, as a speaker. And th- some of these tics that you're not aware of until you see them might be distracting the audience or undermining your message. So it's important that you, uh, no matter how cringe it is to watch yourself or how much discomfort you feel, it will be worth it if watching yourself helps you become a better speaker. Okay, my final tip for becoming a better public speaker, although once again, this actually also applies more generally to business, is to try and find a niche and an angle that you can make your own and don't be afraid to be polarising. Now, I understand that if you've not heard this before, it can seem counterintuitive and very scary. But the fact is, the more you specialise the more chance of finding success you have, whether that's in speaking or in business. Marketing guru Seth Godin is currently doing the rounds of podcasts and video interviews and whatnot to promote his new book, which is called This Is Marketing. You can't be seen until you learn to see. And one of the key messages in this book is that you have to find your smallest viable market and give them the best experience that you can. And I believe this is the same for speaking. Don't just speak on sales. Speak on sales for a specific profession or industry, or focus on sales for Pinterest or sales for call centres. Whilst it might feel like you're making the market smaller, it's kind of like that big fish in a small pond thing that we're aiming for. Or indeed the only fish in a small pond. It's important not to forget about the word that Seth Godin used, uh, which was viable, though. There's no point in speaking on a subject where there's no demand or people can't afford to pay your fee. And the other point here is that not only should you steer clear of the wishy-washy middle in terms of your subject, your topic, it's important that you avoid trying to please everyone with your messaging. Take a stance. Have an opinion. Because that is the way to become a thought leader. To attract followers and to attract bookings. And to repel the people that you wouldn't want to work for or with anyway. Okay? Find your niche and be polarising. Only, you know, if it's something you agree with, don't do it for the sake of it, but, you know, make your voice heard and don't be afraid to upset people because they're probably not the people that you want to be working with or for anyway. There you go. That's it, my top 10 tips. I'm just going to recap them for you. So the first one was aim for B- and use the power of imperfect action. Number two was have a home position for your hands. Number three was don't make yourself the hero. Remember, it's the audience. 
Number four was make everything you do sexy to grab attention. And that goes for the title of your talk right through to your slides and your performance. Make a drama out of every talk and remember to treat the audience like friends was tip number five. Number six was use stories, metaphors and analogies. Remember that kind of like bridge to make your message easy to understand. Because if you don't, if you confuse, you lose. Okay, number seven was use humour appropriately, important word, to make you stand out and make your message more memorable. Number eight, never wing your talk, even if you have the shortest time to prepare. Number nine, record everything so that you can improve and see progress. And number 10, find a niche in the smallest viable market and don't be afraid to be polarising. And make sure you do check out the other episodes I've mentioned uh, if you haven't listened to them, or even if you have as a recap, uh, if you want to find out more about any of those specific tips that I mentioned where there is an episode about them. I hope you found this episode useful. And thank you so much for joining me and giving me that really like priceless thing that we talked about, which is your attention. And as I mentioned before, if you did find it useful, if you could leave a rating or review, an honest one, wherever you're listening, that would be amazeballs. Oh, and don't forget to subscribe. Well, that is it for this episode. Thank you so much again for listening. And don't forget to go and grab this year by the nuts and get cracking. Thanks for listening to the Speaking Club podcast at www.saraharcher.co.uk.